Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. So glad we are together this morning as we celebrate during this weekend our independence, our freedom. We celebrate those who won our freedom as well. That was a ferocious battle that they were in, and I want to speak to you about another ferocious battle that is an even greater test for us as Christians that each of us faces, and I challenge you to gear up for combat. Let me explain. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1.27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Male and female, he created them in his image. You know what that means? You bear God's image. You know what that means? Glory is in your spiritual DNA. God placed it there by making us in his image. Now, unfortunately, most of us never learned to walk in God's glory. And by the time we were in our 30s, we tended to look back on those early years as being naive, youthful dreams where we dreamed of helping the world, where we dreamed of being great in service to others. We look back on those as um, just naive things that evaporate in the harsh glare of reality as we become drones in the business of life. And that is exactly what the father of lies wants you and me to believe. He wants us to believe that there is really not much meaning to our life. There is certainly no glory to our life. He doesn't want us to realize that the image of God is imprinted on us. Remember what Jesus tells us in John 10.10. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. In Jesus, God turned the world on its head and showed us what life is all about, what it means to live in glory. And at the core of Jesus' life was his heart. A heart that was devoted to his Father in heaven. From his heart, he lived a life that shone with God's glory. And because of Jesus, we can live lives that shine with his glory. With the glory of Christ in us. Now, what does this look like? Well, John tells us in his first epistle that God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians about love. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. When you are around someone who shows glimmers of the glory of God, who shows glimmers of this true love, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Don't you find their character attractive? 
don't you enjoy being around them? Because it's like a glimpse of being around Christ. Because Christ is alive in them. See, the Holy Spirit's work in every believer is to give us the family likeness. And the family likeness means making us look like Jesus in character, in action. Even over time, in how we visibly shine. And this is what Jesus wants to restore in us. In our lives, we are meant to be images of God. Now, let's look at this from Satan's point of view. If you hated God, as Satan does, would you want to see his image everywhere you turned? No, of course you wouldn't. You'd do everything you could to prevent God's image from being revealed in his children. You would attack the hearts that carry God's image. The Anglican clergyman William Gurnall has written, It is the image of God reflected in you that so enrages hell. It is this at which the demons hurl their mightiest weapons. Now, this is a fact of life. Whether or not you like being in this situation is immaterial. The enemies of God want to make sure that the best in you never gets out, never becomes visible, never influences other Christians so that they may realize they also carry God's image in their hearts. And every day you are being attacked. You are being tempted to believe lies about yourself. I am no good. God couldn't possibly love me. I could never be forgiven for what I did. Lies. The devil loves to use shame. This is not a tool of God. Shame is a tool of the devil. Conviction is a tool of God. The difference is the devil comes in with shame and says you're no good. Forget it. God could never love you. The Holy Spirit comes in and with conviction and says, you know, I think we could do a little better, don't you? And he picks us up and brushes us off and helps us to move forward. Know the difference between the lie, between the shame, and between conviction. Because you don't want to agree with the enemy. You don't want to agree with the devil. Now, the devil's trying to keep God's image buried deep in your heart, where you don't even know it's there. And you cannot avoid this war. But you don't have to sit in the middle of a battlefield complaining because somebody is shooting at you. You can fight. You can fight for yourself. You can fight for your children. You can fight for those you know and love. You can fight for your brothers and sisters in Christ. God has given you armor and weapons so you can defend yourself against the assaults of his enemies. Listen to what St. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Notice pulling down strongholds. 
Where are these strongholds located? Well, they're in dark places in this world. They're where girls in poverty in Asia are brought into prostitution just so they can eat. They're where true injustice happens to others, regardless of their race, in this country and in this world. And they're also in our hearts. We have strongholds we carry in our hearts, agreements we have made with the enemy over time. The, I'll never be good enough. The, no, I'm not lovable. The, no, I'm not good at anything. All of these things that tear us down, that that push us down, these are agreements with the enemy. They're strongholds. They keep us from the fullness of the life that God wants to give us. And they need to be torn down. And God has equipped us with weapons to tear down these barriers and to defend ourselves against any new barriers being raised. But they're not going to help us unless we use them. This is every day we need to use them. So, if you would, open your Bibles to Ephesians 6, 11. We're going to start there and look at the full armor of God. Paul says in 11, verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Paul is not only giving this counsel to the church, to the body of Christ, but he's also giving it to every individual believer. We must depend on God's strength and use every piece of his armor. The whole body, every one of us, needs to suit up and be armed because we have an enemy. And let's see what Paul says about our enemy in Ephesians 6. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There is a lot more going on than meets the eye. The eye can't see everything that is going on in this world. And we live in a world with two parts, the visible and the invisible. And Scripture urges us for our own welfare, To act as though the unseen world is, in fact, more weighty and more real and more dangerous than the part of the reality that we can see. This is true even in our own time. This is true even when I sit and watch TV and see all of the nonsense and chaos and destruction going on. There is still something far worse that we need to be aware of and to fight against. Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, 28, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We are facing a supernatural enemy, and to contend against a supernatural foe, we need supernatural power that is available to everyone who has given his or her life to Jesus Christ. God has provided this by giving us his Holy Spirit within us and his armor surrounding us. So let's take a look at what we have for armor. First off, St. Paul tells the Ephesians, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, 
Isn't it interesting that Paul uses the belt around our waist to describe how we are to relate to truth? How difficult is it for you to pull off a buckled belt? Really hard. And one of the hardest challenges we all face, especially our youth, and especially at this time when the devil loves to tell us half-truths, is to discern what is true from what is false. As we've already seen, Satan fights with lies, and often his lies sound like the truth. Even if you notice back in the Bible when he's tempting Christ, he only quotes partially in Scripture. He doesn't quote the fullness of each passage of Scripture he's using. He, he quotes it for his purposes. You really could say he misquotes it for his purposes. But Satan fights with lies. And when we have truth so tightly around us as a buckled belt, we can recognize Satan's lies for what they are. This is why people who kind of have a passing knowledge of the Bible are so easily deceived. Because they don't know the real thing. It looks like a real dollar bill, but it turns out it's counterfeit. That's why we have to know what the real thing looks like. Paul tells the Ephesians also, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate protects the heart, and God's righteousness is the breastplate that protects our spiritual hearts. Please understand, Paul is not talking about self-righteousness. That won't protect us from anything. Actually, that opens the door for Satan. But God's righteousness protects our heart. When Satan tells you you are unworthy of God's love, that you could not possibly be of any value to God, remind yourself that Jesus Christ died for you. Remind yourself that that is the worth he placed on you, his own life. And he covers you with his righteousness. And then Paul says in verse 15, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. One of the ways we fight in God's army and wage war against Satan is to spread the good news, to tell others of God's love. Peter tells us, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Satan wants us to think that telling others the good news is a worthless and a hopeless task. And a lot of us buy into that, don't we? But it's not true. It's another agreement with the enemy. That's where we commit treason. It's not true. And it is the spiritual footgear God gives us that remains the motivation to keep going. To continue to proclaim that in Jesus, God and man are reconciled. And then Paul says... In verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Satan's attacks on your heart come in the form of insults, setbacks, doubts, temptations. But the shield of faith protects us from Satan's flaming arrows. And with faith, we can see beyond our present circumstances, knowing God is greater than anything Satan can throw against us. And that ultimate victory is ours because ultimate victory is Christ's and we are in him. And then take the helmet of salvation, Paul says. All of Satan's lies enter through our minds. Satan wants to make us doubt God's love and our salvation in Christ. And that is his biggest lie. And the helmet of salvation, that salvation that 
gives us the spirit of adoption in us that makes us sons and daughters of the living God, protects our minds and keeps us confident in Christ. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There are times when we need to take the offense against Satan. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, he fought back with Scripture. This is why it's so important for all of us to study the Bible. The more of the Bible you know, the more Scripture you have in your heart and mind, the more prepared you are when Satan attacks. And then Paul says in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To, keep, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, make supplication for all the saints. Here's the big one. God has entrusted prayer to us. Our prayer is a part of his plan. Prayer is the greatest weapon you and I have in our arsenal. It's the greatest weapon the church has in its arsenal. When you're praying in accordance with God's will for you and for others, you're connecting with the power that created the universe. Prayer keeps you in relationship with God, who is your defender against the assaults of the enemy. Praise and thanksgiving keep our minds filled with the knowledge of God's love. Confession of our sins restores our close relationship with God that we need to fight against the enemy. And when we have broken that relationship by making agreements in the enemy with the enemy, we have to go to confession to break those agreements, to return to agreement with God. Prayer unleashes the host of heaven to fight on our behalf. You do realize that we are not God's army. God has an army in heaven, the host of heaven. We are God's subjects in his kingdom. And what do subjects do when they are attacked? They cry out to the king who sends his army to defend us. We think of angels as some kind of light, fluffy, chubby thing floating around on tops of ceilings. But they're scary beings. Not because they're bad, but because they're so good. And we can call on our king to send his angels, his warriors, to defend us. You see, if we want to experience the life Jesus won for us, we have to live into that life. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit. We have to let Him lead us. And then we must put on the full armor of God every day, every morning. Paul says in Romans, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You are a son or daughter of the King of Heaven. God's glory is in your spiritual DNA, and his intent is for you to let his glory shine out. This is what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is our glorious destiny. Right here and right now, not down the road, not in the by and by, right here and right now, in the midst of the troubles, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of all the problems that we can see and face, to be light in the darkness, to be joyful warriors, 
to attract others who have been enslaved and beaten down by Satan's lies and draw them into the light of God's truth. And what does God's truth do? It sets you free. What is the greatest freedom we can celebrate? The freedom that God gives us when he sets us free from the fear of death, from regret, from sin, all the effects that lead to death. He sets us free from that. This is worth fighting for. So, on this Independence Day weekend, let me encourage you. We have work left to do. Let us fight, wielding the weapons that God has given to everyone who believes in His Son, Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.